0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jim Kircher. This Saturday marks the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 lunar landing when humanity took its first steps on another planetary body via astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. Here's Armstrong walking down from the spacecraft and reading the plaque which the Apollo 11 astronauts left behind on the moon. For those
1: who haven't uh, read the plaque, uh, we'll read the plaque that's on the front landing gear of this limb. There's two hemispheres, one showing each of the two hemispheres of Earth. Underneath it says, Dear men from the planet Earth, first set foot upon the moon, July 1969, 50. Became in peace for all mankind.
0: And here with me to remember the Apollo 11 mission and to talk about the future of manned space travel are Will Snyder. He's the manager at the James S. McDonnell Planetarium. Will, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. And Linda Godwin, who's a professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Missouri and a retired NASA astronaut. Professor Godwin, thanks for coming in, or thanks for joining us. But um, Apollo 11, 50 years ago, um, what does this anniversary mean to you, somebody who's been in space?
2: Well, I think back to when I was 17 in that hot July summer, watching the landing on the moon with my family, I mean, I didn't see where I'd be 50 years later, and uh, I wish I'd written down every thought I had, actually, 50 years ago. Um, It was just awesome, exciting. I was proud for our country, for the world. I followed the space program. I'd already decided I was going to go and probably to some kind of science, but I didn't see that I would, you know, ever be an astronaut or do those things. That didn't seem possible.
0: Yeah, you and I must be about the same age because I remember watching the moon landing. I probably still had a black and white TV because my dad thought the oh, yeah. they hadn't worked the bugs out of color yet. <laughs> um, exactly. Will, I think you're too young to remember, right? Oh, a little bit, Absolutely. But uh, tell me about the, the the anniversary, especially from the planetarium, because this has got to be a big deal for you guys.
1: Oh, it really is, especially here in St. Louis with our heritage that we have, with the Mercury and the Gemini space capsules leading up to Apollo. Well, of course, I wasn't there to see it happen. I think that makes the anniversary all that more important to me. We want to keep those memories alive of the people that were there to witness it. We want to keep telling those stories so that not only can we look back and see how it inspired a generation, but people like me, it can continue to inspire. And as we work towards to those next great leaps, we want to look back and remember it.
0: Yeah, space is something that never really goes out of style. I mean, even before space travel, it was a big deal. So you probably have, I'm thinking at the planetarium, you've probably got retirees from McDonnell Douglas coming in, talking about the role they played in building the Mercury and Gemini capsules. And mm-hmm. you've got their grandkids coming in, fascinated by, uh, by what's going on.
1: Exactly. It's such a great opportunity. We will have a uh, the MAC team coming in on Saturday, and it's so wonderful to hear their stories, just really how groundbreaking the work they were doing, and how it did lay the groundwork for what we're celebrating, the 50th anniversary of Apollo.
0: Yeah, Linda, tell me about how somebody gets to be an astronaut, and um, (laughs) some of you, you, you were on the space shuttle and also on the International Space Station, is that right?
2: Yeah, I had four shuttle missions, and on the last one, we docked with the space station, so I got to go on board, it was never a long-duration crew member, but we were connected to it for several days in orbit and you know, did, did work with them and had, had things that we had to get done. So I got to see it, for which I'm so grateful. Yeah, so um, you, were you, you said
0: you were sort of a science kid um, uh, yeah. growing up. And so tell me, what's the pathway to, there's a lot of people who say they want to be an astronaut, and most end up uh, doing something else
2: which is good because not everybody can do that. And you might decide because I only got to spend a few days in space for my whole NASA career. So I also just liked all of the job. There's lots of jobs there, but the education is the core component because so far today, they still need to have a background in science, engineering, math, medicine, a STEM field like that. Advanced degree is helpful. General good health, um, there's an assortment of things. Now everything's online. You could, you could Google this. You would find out how to apply to be an astronaut. Back when I did it, at the end of my graduate school career, it was no Internet. So somehow I saw a posting. I have no idea. I don't recall. And, you know, wrote in to receive the application, typewriter, all of that. Now it's all online. But the basic requirements are still general good health, educational background, and, of course, other things that make you more competitive with the thousands of people that apply every time they have a selection.
0: Yeah, it's hard to believe that this happened. At least for me, 50 years ago. I mean, for my for my grandson, this is 50 years ago. That's that's further away than, yeah. than Lindbergh's flight was to me growing up. Um, where do you see? Uh, I'll ask both of you this. You know, where do you see where we are, and and where we're going um, now? Clearly, the the moon missions have ended a long time ago. And uh, there's talk about more moon missions, but uh, where do you see us going?
1: Well, I'll go ahead with that. I'll take a stab. Go Go ahead, ahead, Linda. No, go ahead. Um, Well, I think really the important thing is, you know, while that feels so far removed, there have been amazing discoveries, amazing missions in that last 50 years. But I think it speaks volume to the importance of human spaceflight. While we have had great missions with rovers on Mars, we've had probes around Jupiter and Saturn, and even going out to take a look at Pluto, there's just something, you know, fundamental about us connecting with humans and astronauts going to space, so I think having the opportunity to see American astronauts lift off from American soil again after the end of the space shuttle program, that's a huge goal that I'm really looking forward to seeing that happen and both with what NASA's working on and even our uh, private space organizations, I think that's becoming really close to being a reality.
0: Yeah, Linda, there's real danger involved. You must have been aware of this becoming an astronaut. I mean in the space program we've lost what maybe 20 uh, people, I don't know what the number is, but but this is this is dangerous business. Um,
2: yeah, I know if we if we count all the, the early Soviet astronauts and everything, it, it, you know it's several people by now, including our own losses. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, where do you see but, the space program going at this point?
2: Um, and, and it, you know, as it was already pointed out, it's more than human. I mean, we have continued extraordinary robotic exploration, and I think we, do find, we try to give them little personalities, because we do kind of ache to have humans do it. Um, it is still difficult, even though we have the technology, we certainly have more computing power, it is costly. So, you know, more recently, NASA has refocused on returning to the moon, was going to do it later in the... 2020s now, that's been shortened to perhaps a 2024, which I think is really ambitious. Apollo sucked a lot of money to get it done, when they I mean, out of the federal budget. I don't know if we have, it may not, it won't be maybe that expensive today, but it's still going to take a lot more than the budget that NASA has. So it takes public will to get it done. I think certainly we can go back and the Artemis program that now has been defined kind of a cool name, twin sister of Apollo. Uh, That can happen in the 20s if it's fully funded, fully backed, and there always will be an element of danger.
0: Yeah, certainly the situation, whether it's uh, the political, budgetary, the world situation back then. Let's go back 50 years. We thought it would be fun to listen to the reactions from people on the street in St. Louis in 1969. Mm -hmm. Here are some St. Louisans discussing the launch of Apollo 11. This audio is courtesy of KSDK News. I want to tell you, I had the biggest thrill I've ever experienced. I was just waiting for that t- t- moment, you know, and I thought this was tremendous. This is something that, well, it's so new that we, we don't know the immensity of it. A lot of people think we're wasting a lot of money on this space program. Do you agree with
1: that? Well, I really don't think so. I think you got to look at the long range factor of it. You know, a lot of people thought we were like, wasting a lot of money when we came over across uh, Mississippi back in 1803. What about you? Would you like a t- trip to the moon? All expenses paid, yes. Uh, I can't see how this is going to aid uh, uh, our plight here in the United States for the poor. I think really what's going to happen is uh, that by the time they get up there, something, you know, don't go wrong, some difficulties don't come up and they can't master this, they'll be stuck.
2: I do sure wish them lots of luck and Godspeed that they get back safe.
1: Oh, I think it's really a great event for a man from just our planet. Not just the United States to get on a, be actually be on another world.
2: You know, when I'm 84 now and I can't enjoy anything much anymore. You don't think you'd like to go to the moon? How would I get there,
0: Walt? I mean, if they had a flight to the moon, would you uh, would you like to book passage?
2: I don't even get to go into the uh, into the arch.
0: There you go. Well, Linda, when you first uh, launched off, uh, what year was that when you were on the space shuttle?
2: My first flight uh, was April of 1991.
0: So tell me a little bit about your memories of of just the launching. I mean, what were your your emotions at the time? I know you were well-trained and well-prepared, but it's still the real thing must be a little different.
2: We trained in so many different pieces, you know, a simulator here or there, a water tank, classroom, uh, robotic simulators, you know, what is the real thing? And, and so there was a lot of unknown and just how it was going to feel, how it was going to be, uh, what's that liftoff like? Uh, and even though I got to do that liftoff four times, it never felt routine, I can tell you that. Uh, so it's quite a ride. Uh, You know, I've watched a lot of the video of the Saturn V lifting off. They were so powerful. The shuttle actually had as much thrust, but it had, you know, it was burning fuel at a kind of a different speed. It had a different second stage. I mean, there was a lot of differences in how those vehicles were crafted. So I don't know if I can say, I know what the Apollo guys felt, but... I will tell you the shuttle ride on ascent was pretty exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing about the, the the early astronauts, especially the Mercury astronauts and Gemini and Apollo, those those guys were test pilots. Um, the The training has moved from you, the, you. You didn't fly the shuttle. You were there to do other things, weren't you?
2: Yeah, and they didn't really fly Apollo either, except for landing uh, on the moon when they got to that part. But we, stu- we do still, the military pilots that are hired today are still always test pilots. Um, well, now they have they have a single category. But back in the shuttle, when we had mission specialists and pilot astronauts, mission specialists might even be military pilots, but the designated pilots were also test pilots. So, And the shuttle actually landed more like an airplane than Apollo, but now we have mixed it with so much more science, and the shuttle, awesome, you know, 30-year program, 135 missions, of course, with two terrible tragedies, but so a myriad of things that it could do in low-Earth orbit, and so very impressive program, um, but I am excited, you know, that we need to go beyond Earth orbit and go somewhere else in our solar system. It's just very hard to do, and it's very expensive.
0: Yeah, Will the uh the, the opportunity for the planetarium on an anniversary like this must be must be pretty good. You guys must have thought quite a bit about uh, how you were going to uh, to treat this and, and what you were going to offer
1: during this uh, anniversary period. Absolutely. And we reached, really are lucky being in St. Louis that we have so much history to draw on. Not only the, you know, original MAC team that you're talking about with Mercury and Gemini, but I'm surprised in the area just how many people that were involved with some of the recovery missions out in the oceans that were on various ships for Apollo 11 and others, they're going to be here talking about what they remember, what the experience was like. And it's just wonderful that we have, you know, all these people from St. Louis that were involved in the program and are still here to tell their stories.
0: So let me ask a basic question. Let's be the skeptic here. I know it's a great technological achievement to land on the moon or to do anything, but what did we accomplish beyond that? I mean, what have we learned? And maybe I'll ask Linda as the professor now, not as the astronaut. (laughs) Uh, What did we learn that we needed to learn, and what more can we learn that we need to learn?
2: Yeah, you know, and what we learn is one of the legs on which space exploration stands. I'm also a keen proponent of just the spirit of exploration, because you never know, and world competitiveness. You know, we want to be as much of a leader as any other country. But the moon rocks have been fascinating. We've learned a lot about the geology of the moon. We've learned about we're finding water in many places in the solar system, and now we think there's more water on the moon than we Realize, and they're very interested in exploring the south pole of the moon. So all of this is our own backyard. It's our own home. It's our own solar system. And, and I think we try to learn a lot about all of it. The moon rocks are still very, very valuable. And there's uh, still new things being learned from that every day. And Which, I, you know, for me, it's the thrill of exploration as well as the science.
0: What, what, what's your big question that you'd like to see answered? I don't mean what is reality or, you know, what's the origins <laughs> of the universe, but the next practical question uh, that might be answered in, in space exploration.
2: I like to see, you know, how far can the human body adapt? You know, what's going to happen when we finally can send people to Mars? has was there ever in our solar system, you know, low-level microbial life? We've we've come close to identifying conditions where that might be possible. Uh Mars, most of all, the moons of some of the outer planets are also quite fascinating. So I, I see it as there's so much still out there to learn about our own solar system.
0: I, I would imagine a hundred years from now, people are going to marvel at how little we knew. We know right now. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I mean,
2: that would be a good story, right? You know, that we made that advancement in in the next hundred years because we sure thought in 50 years we would be back on the moon with humans. Uh, and I am just glad that we still have some of the original, you know, Apollo astronauts still alive to enjoy this 50-year anniversary because it's been so long.
0: Yeah, Linda, I was wondering, you know, uh, you got involved probably in science in a time when women were a pretty small minority in, in, in the field. Do you see uh, changes happening there? You probably do, but, uh, well, what have you seen Well, there
2: changed? have been. Well, for one thing, of course, when I was in high school, there were no women uh, women scientists existed, but they were never profiled very much, and, and we didn't have a 24/7 window into things like things like we have now. Anyway, um, there were a few women involved at NASA, NASA contractors, but not very many. They certainly they weren't in mission control in Houston, uh, except in admin support which is also critical that there weren't other opportunities. And But what eventually happens is when you grow up and you finally see women doing different things, and I think girls start out earlier thinking, I could do that. So I, I go back to my 17-year-old self. I never really thought about being an astronaut because I don't think I even thought then, well, when are they going to hire women? The fact that they didn't have any just made it kind of seem like something you couldn't do, you know? And and that has changed. And and once women we were allowed in combat, and now there are more military pilots and test pilots, and we're getting more competitiveness on that end, too, people who apply for NASA, as well as other roles. I mean, you know, academia, uh, women who go into STEM, go in for the advanced degrees, and there's still a lot of challenges for them. But now there are more mentors, there are more role models, and hopefully, more encouragement at a young age.
0: So give me a prediction. Uh, we'll be, will we be back to the moon <laughs> first, or will we be heading for Mars instead, do you think?
2: Well, I think it'll be, I mean, NASA right now is saying is the moon. And I kind of, you know, it's such a more, even as difficult as it is, it's achievable within a span of years. Mars uh, is just going to be a real challenge in terms of safety and cost. And yeah, and so I much of
0: so much of what's going on. Yeah, and you mentioned that the that so much of the research on the space station is really about human the ability to spend that much time. Mm-hmm. And um, what about you, Will? What would no, we're you like? Interested in, oh, go ahead.
2: Well, we're very interested in what happens to the human body in six months and a year at microgravity,
1: for sure.
0: Well, what would you like to see or what people coming into the planetarium
1: would like to see, uh, another moon landing or, or a Mars mission? I, th- I think people are excited about both, and I definitely agree with Linda that the moon's the more realistic and more immediate, but you know, I already hear people talking that the next person to land on the moon will be our first woman on the moon, and I think that ties in great to your previous question. We really want to see that happen, and I think, you know, as we talk about that subject, with this anniversary in particular, more than even the 40th anniversary a few years ago, it's great that we're getting to highlight more of the women that were involved in the NASA missions with hidden figures and other programs and books that have come out about that recently so that mm-hmm. over the next couple of years, we'll be able to have those you know, other uh, role models and astronauts on the moon too.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for joining us and talking about the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Will Snyder is the manager at the James S. McDonald Planetarium, and Linda Godwin is a professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Missouri and a retired NASA astronaut. Will, Linda, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much.
0: This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.